0: In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 3 through 18. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Okay, so we're going to read through uh, chapter 1 verses three through seven. What advantage does man have in all his work? Which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place and it rises there again. Blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling around, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they will flow again.
1: So this is saying a a lot of what Tim has already mentioned, that there is so much that is happening in the world that is way beyond your ability to control or wrap your head around. And, And not only that, but this is a created order and God is the creator. So we don't get to just swoop in and tell rivers to do the things we want them to do. We we have to observe that we live in a, a world that is made by something that is bigger than ourselves. And so what Solomon is doing here, I think, is he's he's starting to say, uh, look, the world around you is massive and beautiful. And as Ephesians says, like just beyond your comprehension. And you are a small part in that. And again, there's a negative connotation that comes with that. Uh, but it's, we are much greater as small pieces of the kingdom of God than we are as big pieces of our fleshly kingdom of one.
2: And Solomon here is just looking at reality as it is. The Hebrews' mind is very cyclical. We, we tend to be linear. We tend to look at things like it just is a, you know, a, a, has a start and a finish and the Hebrew mind sees things in cycles. And, and I think that's actually closer to reality. I, I often have people say things to me like, you know, it's more this than it's ever been before. Like, uh, uh, the country's more divided than it's ever been before, before, for example. And I'll say, wasn't that long ago we had a civil war? 500,000 people died and we were shooting each other. Oh, well, I guess that's right. You know. But we just tend to look at things linearly. And and part of what Solomon's saying in here is just look around you. Look at the water cycle. Okay? Water molecule evaporates, gets in a cloud, rains, goes to the river. River flows into the sea, evaporates, repeat. The cycles just keep going and going. And then he says this, and then he says this, that's kind of, I mean, it can kind of be a bummer. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth just keeps on rolling. So we tend to we tend to, and what he's saying is that, you know, we 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 tend to think of our life as something really special, but we're just gonna be here for a time. We're gonna hand the baton to somebody else, and we're gonna be gone and back into ashes, and then somebody else is gonna take the place. Now, that's just reality. That's current reality, right?
1: Yeah, he starts off that section with what advantage does man have in all his work? And then he talks about all this and all these realities and in, in nature and just the existence of the world. And, and it, it's kind of in response to that, to that question. Uh, I, may, I may gain an advantage in my, in my work uh, from a worldly point of view, but it's probably going to go some, someday. And it's certainly going to go when I die. We think about possessions and ownership as these things that are ours. You know, they are, Mm -hmm. and we think of them as like, they are eternally ours. Mm -hmm. But when you pass away, you've got to, those possessions go to somebody else. And Solomon will say that directly here in a bit, but you, you know, your possessions are, are transitory. You've got them for a little while, but when you go, they go to your, to your offspring or to somebody at auction or whatever the case is. And your life, uh, is important but it is a small part of this giant meta narrative, and it's it's unique, but it's no different than every other human life and how valuable it is. And so, when we expect or kind of treat our own existence again as this divine thing on which all of eternity turns, it's vanity, it's arrogance, and if we try to grab our life in that manner, uh, it's it's going to slip through our fingers.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, the, the phrase, what advantage, what benefit, what profit? Uh, we're all after profit. You know, e- even if you're a socialist and you say that capitalism's bad, you have you, all you're doing is redefining profit into something else. You know, man benefits better this way than that way. Everybody's after profit of some sort. And he's saying, well, so what profit do you have? And then he puts this. Everything you do is going to be part of a cycle. Everything you do is going to be part of a cycle, and and there's nothing you can do about it. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. The cycle is going to—you're going to to create a company, and it's either going to go to somebody else or it's going to fail or it's going to get sold, and you're going to leave it behind. It's all part of a cycle.
0: All right, verses 8 through 11. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, see this, is it new? Already it has existed for ages, which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still,
1: a lot of times i I uh, talk to people about Ecclesiastes and these verses particular, and there's nothing new and people will point out technology, things like like that 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 are new and in- inventions and I don't think that Solomon is talking about uh, gadgets. I don't think he's talking about circumstances necessarily. Uh, what he's saying is that every human. Uh, is doing the same thing. We're trying to discover what's best for us. We're trying to invent new things that make life easier and safer and more comfortable for us. The things that are motivating us, the things that we're doing are the same things that have been motivating people for since time I- eternal. And so what Solomon is, is saying here again is, just as Tim mentioned a minute ago, we're in this cycle. We can't break being a part of this cycle. And so, as we move forward, he's going to say, "All right, now that you're in this cycle, what are you going to do about it? What choices are you going to make?
2: Yeah, and even if you do look at something like technology, you say, well, you know we yeah, but we have a new you know we have guns instead of 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 uh, arrows. what well, it's just a more efficient way to kill people. I mean what you know it's oh well we have uh we have metallurgy instead of wooden gear." it's it's still a gear you know you there there's 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 fundamentally we keep doing the same things we 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 grow we grow stuff we make stuff we we exchange commerce and we do it sometimes constructively by uh, voluntarily with agreement like i'll give you this if you give me that and sometimes we do it not constructively i want this i'm going to conk you in the head and take it and no no matter no matter what the technology is at the time, it's the same basic activities that we're doing all the time. And, you know, he, he says this, he says this phrase of all things are wearisome. The word things can be translated words. And so that can that can mean and I'd and say probably does mean, you know, no matter how you describe it, it's always the same. It's base the base basic fundamental same things going on again. Somebody's trying to take somebody away take something away from somebody. Somebody's trying to build a monument to themselves. Somebody's trying to get famous. Somebody's trying to get rich. It's it's all the same.
1: Yeah, everybody's trying to feel safe. Everybody's trying to feel heard. Everybody's trying to be successful. And part of what he is saying is the human life is trying to do those things. There will never be a point on this earth where we just get that figured out and it's happily ever after. Yeah, trying okay. is I, the key. Nobody has to work anymore. It's all done. Right. Nobody and, has to sleep anymore. We're all slept up. And, and, and wearisome is a good word for that. Trying is hard. It takes effort. It drains us, which is why we want to get to completion so we don't have to do it so much. But Solomon says here, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What he's saying is, there's all—that's the tyranny of more. There's always more to see. There's always more to hear. There's always more for us to try to uh, adopt and accept and understand and explore. And it's just a never-ending cycle. And if we're looking for a sense of purpose within those circumstances and within our ability to reason and experience those circumstances, we're going—it's going to lead to not. Only wearisome, the next step is madness. But if in the midst of that cycle, if in the midst of that uh, wearisome work, we say there's an opportunity transcendent to what we're experiencing to worship and trust God, then we found the real key to, to what human life is.
2: Then everything becomes meaningful. Yeah, we, we've all many of us have experienced to some extent or, or we've read about somebody. Reaching some goal that they really, really cared about, and, they, and then you have it, and you think, this wasn't near what I thought it was going to be. You get the boyfriend; he wasn't really as cool as you thought it was going to be. You get the car; it wasn't real. It didn't, didn't, it didn't fill your hole in your heart like you thought it was going to. You get the promotion;
1: now it's just more trouble. You know it,
0: it, <laughs> it's more work it, and responsibility. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, we're we're struggling with infertility and have been for a long time. When we have kids, it's not happily ever after. Then you've got to raise kids. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a new challenge, a new struggle, a new mm-hmm. manifestation of trying. One of the things I often think about is uh Olympic gymnasts. They're so young when you watch mm-hmm. Olympic gymnasts on TV. And you know, even if they get that gold medal, they've got most of their life ahead of them. <laughs> Is one, everything downhill from then on? You know, that? One of my favorite movie quotes is in Cool Runnings when the Jamaican bobsledder is trying to talk to his coach about who cheated uh, to try to win another gold medal. And the guy says to the coach, Why, you already had two gold medals. Like You were on top of the world. Why did you feel like you had to cheat? And the coach has this great line. He says, a gold medal is a beautiful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Mm. And I think that's the key of of what this is, is talking about is we are so reliant and dependent and hopeful of our circumstances aligning well that we don't understand that the key to life is how we steward any circumstance, no matter what it is. And so we don't like the effort of trying. We don't like the patience required in waiting. But one of the keys to life in the kingdom of God is how do you wait How do you continue to be diligent and trying? You'll succeed and you'll fail. You'll wait for things that come to fruition and you'll wait for things that aren't going to happen until the other side of this life. But the key to life is not having the things that you want. It's not God giving you the things you want. The key is trusting and loving God as you wait, as you fail, as you succeed, as you live.
2: Now there's a line in here, there's no remembrance of earlier things. And uh, it's, it's a bit ironic since we are reading those very words uh, <laughs> 3,500 years later and remembering his words. So let, let's, just, uh, let's just flesh that out a bit. You know, I, I've done a little bit of genealogy. I have a cousin that's gotten into our family history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know some events of the past and I know some names from the past, my own family history. But you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know those people.
1: Mm.
2: I never knew them. I know they existed, but the, the remembrance of most everything they've done is gone. We've studied some some uh, famous people, and when you start digging in to their lives a bit, you find out that most of history is written about an image of them. Mm. We don't really know we 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 have a narrative that was handed down of their publicity that they had about themselves, <laughs> maybe, but really do we know that much about it and even here we have this couple of things that Solomon wrote, and we have some descriptions of him in the Solomon a few paragraphs there's a few paragraphs you know Solomon lived for a, a long life. we don't really know Solomon, and we don't really know what he what he did and what he we maybe have a few archaeological digs and stuff, but think about if somebody if somebody found you know some archaeology of your life and they found a toy truck from your childhood and they tried to discern your whole life from that toy truck. Effectively, if you if you round to the nearest number, there's that's zero. We we know nothing about what's happened in the past, and similarly, everything we do won't be remembered in this life. But the interesting thing is in the Bible it says every deed is written in a book somewhere. There's this passage that says all the books were gotten out and the deeds were evaluated. So we're all kind of being recorded. This is the Truman show's real, you know, it's it's all happening. And so there's another layer upon which all things will be remembered and all things will be brought to account. So if we look for it in this life, it's just futility. It's Hebel. It's something you try to grasp and can't get. But if we embrace the mystery and based on faith, it actually turns into something that's never forgotten.
0: Which is both encouraging and terrifying at the same time.
2: Well, so, yeah, in this life, if we do it through reason and experience, we can't get glory. That'll last. I mean, I, I went to the Hall of Fame, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame one time, Cooperstown, New York. but her daughter was doing a summer at Syracuse. We happened to be in the area, the Finger Lake region, really beautiful region. And saw Coopertown was nearby. And I really liked baseball. So I thought it'd be really cool to go see all these people. I didn't I didn't know hardly any of the names that were on the plaques. Mm. I knew this one small generation that I watched. And all the other guys, I they were totally forgotten to me. Babe Ruth I knew Babe Ruth. I knew I knew Cy Young because of the Cy Young Award. I, I knew a few, but they were in the Hall of Fame. And I, I love that uh, Romans 2. It says, to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality will be given eternal life, which is a phrase that means just the life you really want, the the abundant fulfillment of every of all your deepest longings that will be given to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality from God. So the glory, if you try to seek glory in this life through reason and experience from humans, it's fleeting at best. If you try to seek immortality, you may make it into the Hall of Fame and get a plaque. No one's going to remember you. But Immortality in the face of God, that's real. Honor from God, it lasts forever. So there's this, there's this amazing dichotomy here of if we try it through reason and experience versus if we try it through faith. There's a fulfillment that goes way beyond what we can imagine available. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we take the falsity of the world, it's, it's just empty. And there's an opportunity to see reality for what it is, and it's fairly apparent if you're just willing to look.
1: Well, and Kylie, you said it really well. This is it's terrifying and encouraging. And the truth is, those are two attitudes, two perspectives. And the whole point of this book is that you've got to choose which of those you're Mm -hmm. gonna lean into. And it's one or the other. If you if you decide this is, a, this is a terrifying idea that I won't be remembered. I'm going to fight against it and try to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm remembered.
0: It's funny that you heard that because I was actually thinking it's a terrifying thing that everything is going to be remembered. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, the other way I was thinking about it is like if you, you can decide that I'm going to fight to be immortal, and that leads to this madness that we're talking about. But the encouraging side is if you say like, look, there is a great narrative in which God is king. And therefore, I don't have to carry the weight of the story of the cosmos. What I can do is steward this opportunity that I have to live my life well and participate in that greater story, that greater kingdom as a as a character, as a significant key contributor to the story of the kingdom of God. That's encouraging. It's freeing to a certain degree. But what we have to do and what Ecclesiastes points us to is like, you have to choose actively, intentionally, which of those two reactions you're going to have to this reality that Solomon is setting forth?
2: There is a verse that I interpret in a way. We'll see if it turns out to be right or not. It said that uh, helps you with that uh, concern you have, Kylie. Um, if we're um, if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us of sins. I take that to include erasing all the bad stuff. Mm. And I think of it as, we dealt with it here, so we don't have to, we do don't, there. kind of like <clears throat> if you, if you look at little kids and you think about parenting, if you watch one of your kids and they whack the other one, if they immediately say, hey, that was a, that was bad on me, I'm sorry, you don't go intervene as a parent because it was taken care of now. Mm. But if they don't do that, then you go over there and they are face the music with the parents. Mm. So that's kind of the way I think of that, so. I, I always like to say there's hope, you know, there's hope that the good things will be remembered, but take care of, that's a good motivation to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of
0: now. <laughs> well, it's also helpful, I think, to recognize that while you can't change the past, you can take ownership of what is in front of you right yes. now, today. And so I can't, I mean, I became a Christian later in life, and I've made a lot of mistakes and poor choices and things that I can't change her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have active choices today Mm -hmm. on the paths that I'm going to take and the um, actions that I am going to make in order to serve God.
1: That's a great point. And time is a huge, like, theme in Ecclesiastes. And so what you're saying is, right, backwards, the same is true forwards. Mm -hmm. You can't control the future. You don't Mm -hmm. know how things are going to work out. What you can do is be intentional about your choices today what you can do is trust and worship God today
2: and confess your sins there's a lot of debate about what that means but let's just think of it as see them as they are seek embrace current reality for what it is and that's ecclesiastes mm-hmm. let's just embrace current reality for what it is i made a mistake i messed up i need to go and pay the price with this other person repair this damage to the extent it's possible whether it may be a it may be a you know, paying to fix the damage, or it may be apologizing and mm-hmm. facing up to the taking responsibility for it. And there's plenty of people listening to us that are thinking, "Well, I'm I feel that way too, and I've been a believer all my life." This is, you know, First John one nine there that I quoted is is actually for believers. And so we we all we're going to continue to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, embrace it as reality. Uh, you know, I messed up. And and a lot of times, what happens is, as you as you uh, mature and gain in wisdom, which is what this book's all about, you start seeing sin that's been there all along mm-hmm. that you didn't even know about, and you realize, oh, that's really bad. Well, it's an opportunity to see it as it is and do something about it, and that and that's kind of how life goes. And that's that's kind of gets us into the next the next uh, phase. Verses twelve through fifteen.
0: I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted."
1: So what Solomon is, is talking about here is the, I, I love the language of it's a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men. Mm. That grievous task is trying. <laughs> that grievous task is effort. It is, and there is a natural uncertainty that comes with effort. There's also, by the way, uncertainty is a necessary element of faith. You can't believe in what you're certain about and we talk in some of our other resources about how the angels are watching in fascination because of that very reason these divine beings that are you know in the in God's arena on a daily basis are watching us the bible says they're watching us with fascination why would they be watching us with fascination and it's because our ability to trust god beyond the evidence is a testimony to his goodness and to his glory, and it's it's tough. It's tough to have faith in God. It's tough to trust in God. It's hard. It's a, in a way an affliction, but in another way, it's an opportunity. And that's what Solomon is trying to uh, introduce to us here: is that it's it's grievous. It's it's effortful. And I have this theory that there is a certain point at which trusting and loving God and loving others is more difficult than people signed up for when they first became a Christian. And there's a really important choice you have to make there. Am I going to continue on this path of trusting God, or am I going to bail because my initial expectations weren't met, and I'm actually in this for my own betterment and my own uh, my own sense of fleshly desire?
2: Fleshly desire, comfort it might be. Comfort,
1: mm-hmm. right. And so what, what uh, Solomon is saying here is that We are actually never going to be fully comfortable. We're never going to be free of the flesh whispering temptation to us. We're never going to be free of the uncertainty. Um, But within that, again, we also have the opportunity to trust. That also fuels uh, our unique ability as humans to have faith.
2: This paradox thing we talked about, uh, Joey, it's, it's about holding things with an open hand. Right and resolving the tension with faith. But there's an opportunity to explore. That's what we're doing right now. We're exploring how things work, Mm -hmm. but we don't worry about that we can't explain. What we can't explain, we can trust, and we can take the starting point that God gave us. But if we'll accept that starting point, we can make a lot of sense out of things, a whole lot of sense out of things, and come to wisdom, which is, what is wisdom? Wisdom is having sufficient understanding to live effectively, which is what Proverbs is going to be about, which is the follow-on to Ecclesiastes. So if Solomon didn't think it was possible to live wisely, he wouldn't have wrote and written Proverbs.
1: Right. I, I love the the last bit here, the, um, the part that's what is crooked cannot be straightened and what is lacking cannot be counted. And so as, as we're exploring these things as humans, as we're trying to figure out these things in the world, What we have to avoid is the the temptation to try to bend reality so that it fits more comfortably with the conclusion we would like to come to. This is the world that we live in. This is the reality of who we are and and the world around us. And so we have got to explore and engage in things uh, according to that reality. And it is so tempting for us to adopt a false narrative that will give us a little bit of a shortcut but when we do that, we undermine the entire, uh, the entire endeavor, the entire expedition altogether, because now we're living in a false world, and that's so prevalent in today's society. We just create these narratives. that are detached from reality because they're easier to deal with than these complicated truths.
2: It's prevalent in today's society, and it was prevalent 3,500 years yeah, ago when new. Solomon wrote this. <laughs> right. The other, the other image he has of that is striving after the wind. So wind is something you can't see, you can't touch, you can feel it, but if you run after it, what exactly is it you're trying to catch? That's a that's a that's a fairly futile image, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what trying to figure things out for yourself and living on human reason and experience is about. Now, let's just all take a step back and get some current reality here all of us do this we all say i know better uh if god only understood then he would give me if god really was loving me in this case then he would allow you know i'm just filling in the blanks this is our natural bent we go immediately to this it takes work to get out of that and to say wait a minute that's not reality you know, and talk, you actually have to talk yourself into this. There's an image that I got from a book about divers, deep divers, like going down 200 feet. And they explain in this book what um, narcosis is. It's uh, you get nitrogen, you get too much nitrogen in your blood, and it starts poisoning your bloodstream, and your brain stops working right. And if you're, a, if you're one of these divers back in the era where they still used oxygen to go deep, You have to know that that's a reality and when you start hallucinating, you have to learn to talk to yourself and tell yourself, I have narcosis, I need to go to the surface. And if you don't, when the crab comes by and says, hey, Joey, having a good day? You'll take your mask off so you can talk to the crab, <laughs> and then you're dead, okay? And, yeah, you're you're gone, which happened. That's pretty routine for those deep divers. And, I, and I, I saw that image, and I said, that's what I have to do all the time with my flesh and with reality is to say, you know, oh, oh I've got flesh narcosis because I'm looking at life as though I should be the one figuring it out. I look at life as though I know the best decision to make. And I, I need to say to myself, I've got sin narcosis and go to the surface and get some reality about what's really happening here. Otherwise, I'm going to start striving after the wind and trying to straighten something that can't be straightened.
1: Yeah, and this is, we're in chapter one here. This is what Solomon is doing is setting up these parameters of reality. We are all, Christian or not, really, trying to figure out what this world is about and how to operate within it. And so Solomon is saying here, like, look, if we're going to do that, Let's make sure that we stay within the pounds of reality. We can't go outside of that, however tempting it, it might be.
0: Tim, I was actually thinking about how you were talking about a cell and mm-hmm. how we're looking into the cells and DNAs and how they're these crazy computers and mm-hmm. just crazy things inside that we like mm-hmm. can't understand at all. And it made me think of uh, there's nothing new under the sun. And maybe it's not talking about us. Maybe it's talking about God. Like Mm. God created everything, right? And so like everything that we do as humans is just copying something that we've seen in nature or in the world and around us in some way. And so like even computers that we've created, we've written code for. Like Mm -hmm. there's code in us, like in our (laughs) DNA that – so it's there just is a little nothing. sort of
2: a semblance of what that is. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's
2: a, that's a good point.
1: That's a great point. When I was a youth minister, we went to a conference one time where this speaker said, okay, I want all of you pull out a piece of paper, draw an animal, m- like a new animal that's never <laughs> been seen before, draw it. <laughs> so he gave him a few minutes and he's like, let me guess, you, you've got some sort of eyes or fins uh-huh. or feet. And so we aren't really creators. We just Mm -hmm. rearrange the things that are. And so to Kylie's point, like God has made all these things, and what we do is we just take them and reorder them and say, look, uh, a new animal that's got hooves and fans. And it's like, well, we just reordered the things that we already know. We're not actually Uh creating. We're just reordering.
2: I've often wondered where all the atoms in my body have been.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is. probably was
2: a whale snot at some point in time.
0: Um, okay, moving on. Verses 16 through 18 to finish off chapter 1. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has observed the, a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realize that this also is striving after wind. Because after so much wisdom, there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain.
1: So Solomon is talking here about that supernatural gift of wisdom that we mentioned. He is the wisest man who's ever lived. God has granted him this special ability uh, towards wisdom. And so what Solomon is saying here is, all right, this is what it looked like as I started to apply that wisdom and try to analyze what to do with it and what it means for my life. And alongside wisdom uh, comes madness and folly, which are really the, the opposites of wisdom. They're the uh, shadow sides of, of wisdom. Uh, they're wisdom placed in the wrong, aimed at the wrong things. And so what he is saying here is like, this is, this is, everyone wants wisdom, just like everybody wants uh, trust or something like that. But once you get wisdom, it's tough. It's hard. It's hard on you, and uh, we teased this earlier, but he ends the chapter by saying, in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. So again, there is a cost for wisdom. It costs us something. Uh It is, there's a difficulty that is inherent within wisdom. It's not like wisdom is just this magic, happily ever after rainbows and sunshine. It's difficult to figure out how to apply it, and that difficulty comes at a at a great cost the cost of our energy the cost of our of our effort and the cost of having to lean into the mysteries of life and the uncertainty of of relying and trusting on god and so that's what solomon is saying here to end this chapter is like all right here we go with wisdom i'm going to tell you everything i've learned by wisdom but let me tell you wisdom isn't the magic bullet uh mm-hmm. wisdom is just the fuel uh that that can be spent in good ways or bad ways but wisdom all by itself is not going to lead to that superficial completion that that we we sometimes desire.
0: What's that saying? Ignorance is bliss?
1: Mhm.
2: Yeah, and you know, um obli- ignorance oblivion is a place where a lot of people prefer to live, to just be remain oblivious. Don't talk to me about that I don't want to know. Because understanding does bring it act, what it actually brings is more responsibility. Mhm. And the more responsibility you have, the more pain and grief you have. But here's the thing. If you want to be a servant, you have responsibility. And more more serving means more responsibility, which means more greatness. So, again, it depends on your perspective here. If you want to bear one another's burdens, that is the greatest command. So you can take that. Now, Solomon's going to get there. He's going to get to faith. Here, really, what he's talking about through reason and experience. If, if I'm gonna figure this out myself, here's the reality, and this is where you end up. And so, um, you know, we, we haven't finished the whole book, but if you wanna figure things out on your own, if you think you can do it better than God's way, I don't say if, when, when we, when we mm-hmm. think we can do things better than God's way, this is where we end up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's inevitable. It's just a cycle that never ends. And then that's the ironic thing is is when we actually do trust God and follow His ways, no matter what they are, as painful as it is, and it is more trouble to do that. It, it, let's just be honest about it. It is more trouble to do that. But all great things create trouble, and that's what we're really striving for is true greatness in, in, in terms of fulfilling our souls and serving.
1: Yeah, that's why, you know, so often I... Meet. All of us, me included, we like to just turn on Netflix. We like to lean into apathy, to complacency, to be lukewarm. Right. Well, it's,
2: well that's oblivion, and by definition, you're going into an alternate universe where you know it's going to have a happy ending, and you have no pain. All the pain is someone else's, and you can enjoy the joy that someone else has for a fleeting moment.
1: Yeah. So, and Solomon is saying here, all right, you can take wisdom. And you can try to use it as the fuel for your own reason and experience. and Or you can take wisdom and use it as fuel for trusting in God. Those are the two paths that he's going to outline. As we head into chapter two, he's going to start with some things that he tries towards reason and experience, even with wisdom as his sidekick, uh, to, to explore and how that turns out for him.
0: Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.